Welcome to Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps. I'm your host, Maddox. And I'm Thunder Cookies, Devin Rains. The name has changed, but one thing is still the same. We're mad. We're fat. And we're loud. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps. I'm your host, Maddox. And I'm Thunder Cookies. Well, it's going to be... Well, as has kind of become commonplace here, a little bit different for the heavyweight chumps this week. Here on Off Script, we do have an interview with a very interesting, multifaceted and multi-talented young lady from the Memphis independent film scene, who I think you guys are going to love to death. Her name is Kate Mobley. That's right, Mobley. I had to ask before we had her on the air to make sure that I got it right. <laughs> but in also looking at that, we have to look at look at our viewing habits over the last several days for you and me, Thunder Cookies. Yeah, we we've picked some good ones. Well, we've been down a rabbit hole, a hip hop rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, for me, it started with a rewatch of uh, um, Straight Outta Compton. Good movie. Then we went from straight out of Compton. I kind of went back in and dove back into the hip hop evolution series on Netflix. There are four parts and it's four, four episodes per, uh, the most recent season actually dove into Memphis, uh, Houston. They broke into the chopped and screwed style of hip hop things that were kind of prevalent when I was in, you know, in college, Back in the day, God, I don't listen to rap very much, so. And yet you've kind of dove in with me here, and it was kind of weird because I know you're not a big hip-hop fan, but you're like me. You appreciate the hip-hop that we kind of came up with. Right. Which is unusual, I guess, for guys from the South to identify, at least I do, as more of a West Coast rap fan. I was a Tupac fan. So Dr. Dre West Coast for you yeah. too. I mean, don't get me wrong. When it came out of the Atlanta stuff, you know, little John, by the way, little John, we still want you to be a guest on the heavyweight chumps either here on off script or on the radio hour double XL edition. We'll make time for you, sir. Nice plug. I thought so, but you know, we also broke into a documentary series, a very good, very good called free meek. It's about Meek Mill. Now, I had heard the name Meek Mill before we started watching this series. I hadn't. That's about the extent of my knowledge of Meek Mill. I knew at some point he had dated Nicki Minaj. Other than that, I didn't have a clue. But when it came to East Coast, West Coast for us back in the 90s, I knew of Biggie, but I didn't know who Biggie was. I didn't grow an appreciation for Biggie until later in life. All right, that's me. Um, but my appreciation for West Coast gangster rap came out of NWA in the 80s. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, then you have to look at other influences for me is when it comes to hip hop. Uh, the Ghetto Boys out of Houston. I, I was a big fan. 
Um, but I also liked the Miami bass music. I was a two live crew fan at that point in my childhood, probably somewhere between 12 and 14. It was mostly because of the tacky lyrics, but I enjoyed the bass and the, the, you know, the drop to it. I remember buying the Tupac life after death album and Metallica's garage Inc. This, uh, both doubled cassette albums the same day. <laughs> Good choices, sir. I thought so, and I really enjoyed both of them. I, I wish I still had that Tupac album. Actually, I wish I had Garage Inc. Oh God, that was that one was beyond. That was a damn good album for for a guy that was into cover songs. That was you know that was great for me. Um, but as for this documentary, the one thing that it kind of gave us both was a look at the differences in. How, what'd you break over there, Cookie? Nothing. Yeah, I heard that noise. Don't you be right before I accidentally touched it. Rick, if you're listening, it was Thunder Cookies. It wasn't me, I promise. Anyway, what did, what did you take from this? I mean, it's a five-part documentary. It was a dedicated afternoon for us, as, as you called it. That's a shallow rabbit hole, right? And it was a good rabbit hole to go down. It shows just how fucked up our justice and legal system is how a judge can control one man's life is bullshit and has brought him back up on bullshit probation violations and i'm not one that's going to say he didn't violate his probation but when the district attorney and the defense attorney are both in agreement that he shouldn't go to jail and you send him for two to four years you're overstepping your boundaries i i, I strongly suggest Anybody listening that has Hulu, go. Now, this up. is an Amazon Prime. Oh. Uh, you definitely need Amazon. to yeah. go check out Free Meek. It is a fantastic five hours, not quite five hours of uh, of an in-depth look into this case. And it gives you really both sides. It play Honestly, it kind of plays out like a law and order. It really does. Uh, because you get the investigative side of it and you have the court side. Um, the one dong, thing, dong. yeah, I mean, really, the one thing that I would say is it will make you as a person of white privilege. And I'm sorry, I think we all have to fall into that category. Yeah. If you're white, I think you have a certain modicum of white privilege. So I look at it like this is the jail system for white privilege is different than it is for the black kids coming out of Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, the one thing I didn't know is I didn't know that Philadelphia had such a hip hop scene. I knew, you know, that's where the Fresh Prince came from, or at, right. least, at least that's what he was rapping about before the show came on. But that's about the extent of my Philadelphia rap roots knowledge was again, I wasn't, I'm not East coast literate, I guess. Right. Um, it's all about that California love. Yeah, and it, ha it has been. And the funny thing is now you really, if you look at West Coast, we got to look at Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. So, I mean, it's it's nice to see that we're getting some new, I don't want to call a kid that's, you know, in his early 30s, a new elder statesman of hip hop, but he kind of is. Yeah. Because he's been doing this. He's been fighting this one particular case since he was 19 years old. Mm, and it was a bullshit charge. It was a bullshit charge. The If you watch the documentary, and granted, you're watching a documentary position to be shown to you from one side of the argument. 
So you have to, we have to factor that in to, to be. Well, that's because the bitch wouldn't show up on camera and talk. Well, I understand that too, but you didn't have the prosecutors that really wanted to talk. You didn't, you the got this story. Officers. You got this story from the defense side of the coin. Um, you didn't see the prosecutorial side of it, which I think is okay to a degree, but it really showed how they made some massive missteps in the investigation and in handling the arrest in general. But again, I think you and I both are kind of thrown by the dramatization that we saw of him actually putting the gun down and turning around. As to that, why is that why we're buying into that story? I, I think that's part of the reason why him being innocent in all this and the crooked cops. Well, the crooked cop, the the crooked cop thing really pissed me off because I stayed pissed off the whole thing uh, until the last episode. Yeah, I mean you're you're right, but every person who got caught a charge from these what was it 65 66 cops yeah all got their stuff thrown out or got a new trial meek mills judge decides nah he's just gonna stay here they had to appeal two different times for two different things they had to appeal to the supreme court just to get his bail granted then to appeal to get his conviction overturned and get a retrial, which he is going to be granted in front of a new judge. Thank God. That's the important thing. But what's the one thing I told you when we first started this? I don't remember. Somebody's going to make some money because this is going to be a fantastic movie. Yeah. Uh, I'm anxious to see how this is going to play out. I, I, Clearly, there is a need for justice reform as we sit here knowing what we've seen that has taken place with Parchman. Right. And and, it, and part of it's because of our white privilege. We don't think about things And even like then, then you also have to look at um, look at the DHS scandal. Yeah. It's rocking. Six million dollars of embezzlement. And one of them was the million dollar man's kid. Right. You know, it's just... The times right now for judicial change are upon us. It's time for them to do something different because we have an overpopulated prison system, an overworked staff handling those prisons. I think there has to be something done, especially about us in a situation where you had this particular judge who just, Essentially, if the if the retelling is accurate and she asked him to cut a remix of On Bended Knee from Boys to Men and include her name and her mama's and Nicki Minaj's. And I'm sorry, but if a judge actually asked that, you said no. And then the next time you're in front of her, you're going to jail for two to four years. Sounds like a spurned girlfriend somewhere down the lines, how this woman played out. Yeah, she she had no business being on the bench. None. And that that's one thing that really irks me is she would not grant the retrial. And him having to appeal it, that right there should say something to the county that she doesn't need to be on the board. Is it just because she didn't want to admit she was wrong? Could be, 
But then again, you got to look. She was suing 15 different people. What did they say at one point was the count was up to 34, I think? Something like that. Over stupid stuff. Yeah, I mean, over dog bites with no piercing of the skin, things of that nature. You know, if, if you are an officer of the court, you are going to be held into higher standard. Um, you should behave that way, whether you are in a professional manner representing that court or not. And she's not very professional. Uh, honestly, it's just documentaries like these always tend to get me kind of fired up and on a soapbox, so to speak. Um, I was the same way with the documentary series on the West Memphis three, um, which if you haven't seen those, uh, those documentaries were at one point on Netflix. They're definitely worth checking out. Um, the West Memphis three story was one that fascinated me even. And again, because if you look at who got involved from a social standpoint, you had musicians getting involved there. Whereas with Meek Mill, you had somebody like Jay-Z granted, you know, Jay-Z being rock nation and they were his management company. Don't know if they still do represent him, but they came on board even if they didn't. So the support that this guy got and the outpouring of emotion that you saw in this documentary, it just makes you disgusted to see that this guy's life has been ruined for his original sentence was what? 11 and a half to 23 months and 10 years of probation. probation. That time should have already been up. And now he's still got another two years, two years of probation. If this doesn't go well for him for the retrial. So let's just kind of hope and pray that this goes the right way this time, because for starters, this woman's wasting a lot of tax dollars in Philadelphia. You got complaints. Try saving your tax dollars from a woman like this. And, you know, when that, with that being said, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to go away from somebody that was cosplaying as a judge to, well, an actress that can cosplay and act. We'll be right back with Kate Mobley. Stick in your seats, folks. Are you a CBD user that's unhappy with the quality of your current CBD products? We recommend that you try Absolute Nature CBD. Absolute Nature CBD is a third-party tested CBD company that offers a wide variety of products, including CBD, medicated, full-spectrum salve, CBD liquids in varying strengths, and CBD full-spectrum soft gels, among other products. Go to AbsoluteNatureCBD.com, use code CHUMPS30, C-H-U-M-P-S 30, and get 30% off your total order. (sighs) Nothing beats the pure taste of artist vodka, made with nothing but the finest ingredients, including farro wheat imported from Italy, perfectly pH-balanced water, from the Cascades in Washington State, all blended perfectly into the best organic vodka on the market. Artist Vodka, the art is in the party. All right, ladies and gentlemen, joining us on the fat line tonight here on Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps. We decided we were going to go back to our indie roots and go back to our fun time at the 
Memphis Film Prize. So we pulled in somebody else that says, Viva la Film Prize. We got Miss Kate Mobley joining us, an actress from the Memphis area. Kate, how are you doing? Hello, I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Now, Kate, we saw you kind of, we didn't get a chance to talk to you at the film prize, but you were kind of, you were around. We, we, I, I know I saw you in passing. Uh, what is it about the independent film scene that attracts you so much? Well, the, one of the reasons why you kind of saw me around is because I'm a volunteer. I love volunteering for the Memphis Film Prize. The indie acting community is so close knit. Everybody helps each other out. Um, if somebody doesn't know something or needs help with something, there's always another director, another actor, somebody who can answer your question and help you out. And that's what I am drawn into with the Memphis film community is that everybody wants to help everybody else. <laughs> How did now are you originally from Memphis? No, I'm from Georgia. Ah, uh, well, at least you're still Southern. We don't have to call you a Yankee. <laughs> yeah, please don't. Just tell me you're not a Bulldogs fan. Oh, honey, I, I am a Georgia Bulldog fan. Okay. I can let that slide if you admit to being a Falcons fan, too. I am. Thank God. <laughs> that goes a long way because I've been a Falcons fan since the year they really stunk. <laughs> uh, now, how did you end up in Memphis? I came to Memphis to go to grad school at the U of M. Okay. Now, were you a theater major? Were you looking at getting into film? I mean, what was your reasoning for coming and why, what were you looking to do? I have a master's degree in criminal justice. She's Batman. Theater. <laughs> theater was nowhere on my radar. On my radar. <laughs> okay. Now, how did it come? How did theater and acting, how did you fall into that world? <laughs> well, I actually fell in love with it when I was in sixth grade. I had an amazing teacher. Her name was Mrs. Vaughn. And she put together plays for our class. And we did Tom Sawyer. We did Legend of Sleepy Hollow. We did a whole bunch of very intricate, fun plays. But unfortunately, I decided I wanted to play the trumpet. So I was in the pit orchestra more than I was actually on the stage. But when I went to undergrad, um, I was in a fraternity, Alpha Gamma Delta, and one of my sorority sisters said, hey, I want you to try out for this play. And I did, and I got the lead in it. And that was another check mark into me loving acting. Um, then about, I'm going to say about six years or so ago, I kept seeing advertisements for extras. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to get into it again. And so I did, and I was an extra on Sun Records when it came through Memphis. And I met a lot of people who I went to- I love that show. <laughs> Wasn't it great? <laughs> Why did it not get a second season? <laughs> I have no idea. I really, I, I never missed an episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, I loved seeing people that I knew on there. Um, but uh, a lot of people that I met 
had gone to Indie Acting Studio, and they recommended that I start attending there to take classes, and I started doing that, and I kind of fell deeper in love with acting, and the end of story right there. Well, and That's you all know, I want to do. When you look at the indie film side of Memphis, for most people that hear independent film and they hear Memphis, the first name that comes into anybody's mind is Craig Brewer because of Hustle and Flow. Um, but what they don't realize is that he had toiled away and did a, the, the film that he did called the P and H that was based around the poor and the P and H cafe and the artists that came through there. Um, who are some of the directors that whose work you've watched that have inspired you to want to keep furthering your career and moving more and more into the film world? Are you talking about? Directors here from Memphis or just directors in general? I'll go with both. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I would have to say probably Martin Scorsese is one of the best directors that I have you know, seen his work. And one day I really hope to work with him. Favorite Scorsese film? Am I supposed to say one right right off the cuff? Really? <laughs> I don't even know. Why do you put me on the spot like that? See, I go. Mine's going to be an odd one if somebody asks me because it's always Hugo. Really? I love the mafia films, but I think Hugo was such a departure from from what he was so used to doing, and it was so different. I really just I think that movie was a thing of beauty. Hmm. She didn't I like just it. Watched, <laughs> I watched a casino when it came back through. Um, they just showed it here in Memphis on the screens. You so saw casino on the, to go watch. Oh. You visit? Yes. <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I, I'm glad I did get to see the, I didn't get to see the Irishman on the big screen. I wished it was going to come through Memphis when they did that, but that film was phenomenal if you haven't had the chance to see it yet. I actually have not seen The Irishman. I'm going to have to wait until it comes out in a format that I can watch. It's on Netflix. See, you have to pay for Netflix. <laughs> ah. <laughs> not if you do the free 30-day trial and then cancel. <laughs> uh. <laughs> There's ways there's ways to get around that. <laughs> but as far as you said Scorsese, now other influences for you as directors. Influences of directors. Oh my goodness. Um it's really obscure, but one of my favorite directors is Dean Devlin. And I bet y'all don't know who that is, but he directed Independence Day and was and worked a lot of stuff. Uh, maybe he didn't direct it, but he worked on Independence Day and he worked with one of my favorite shows, The Librarians. And um, let's see, what else did he do? Leverage. He worked on Leverage. Um, but I love his work. And if there is somebody that I actually might have a chance of working with, it would be Dean. I could see that. I was I enjoyed The Librarians myself. So I could. Yeah, he he has a great style to him. And mm -hmm. just a phenomenal storyteller in his own right. Um, 
as oh, far yeah. as what's coming, the 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 up and comers in the independent film scene around Memphis, are there any directors there that you would like to work with? Um, there are tons. Um, I can't even name them all. Um, several directors that um, I love working with. I've worked on one film with Jaron Lockridge, and he was so put together and everything was organized. And I love working with organized directors. I don't care who you are. If you are organized, you have a shot list and you have everything ready to go. I will adore you for the rest of my life. (laughs) I love the way you think I'm one of those. We cover a lot of film festivals and I'm one of those that if I walk in and the film festival seems like they don't, if they don't have their stuff together and it's just not organized properly, it will drive me absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. Thank I, you. I, I prefer <laughs> people I that you. know what they want to do, how they want to get it done and just put me where I need to be and let me do what I need to do. Um, the film prize, for example, of course we had worked with, uh, with John Wildman who was handling the, uh, the PR as the publicist for that event and organized the press. We had worked with him because he handles the event for Oxford. And so I knew going in, I'm like, okay, I know John knows what he's going to do. We're going to be getting people in 15, 10 to 20 minutes at a time. Boom, boom, boom. And out you're done. It was, you, you know, he's organized, you know, it's going to run well. I will work with him on any festival. He will have me come to. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand your appreciation for people that know what they're doing and ex- are, are organized in general. When it comes oh, yeah. to your uh, another, one. yeah, go ahead. Another one I really like working with is Rob Rock. Okay, now what have you worked on with Rob? Um, with Rob, I was in a. Um, oh my goodness! I just completely. Forgot the name of the movie, but it wasn't last year's film prize. It was two years ago. And I was a waitress. Oh, Outside Arcadia. That we saw movie. that. Outside Arcadia played at the MAG in Starkville last year. I remember seeing that film. Uh, that was, was to really me, that good. was, yeah, I really enjoyed that one. Um Rob has a distinct style in the way he does things. I think he kind of has it to me. His stuff kind of plays almost in a Southern Gothic fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I appreciate what he does because I don't think there are a lot of people that kind of have that artistic touch that he's got. Uh, don't tell him I said that. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, he'll hear it. <laughs> now, as far as the actors that have influenced you and then people that you look up to and then things that you study, are there any actors or actresses that you follow because you like the way their career has progressed that you kind of want to take that trajectory or what do you look for when you find an actor that you admire? What is it that draws you to them? I think the thing that draws me to most actors is just their performance and the way that they are able to connect with their characters. Um, I grew up watching the old films. I was a bit weird. Um, so I loved Maureen O'Hara and Catherine Hepburn. Those are my two most favorite actresses. Um, they're, they're not 
anything hardly bad at all that you can say about Maureen O'Hara. And it's funny. She mentions both of them and both of them did movies with John Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But another, I guess, more recent actress I really like is Meg Ryan. And I love the innocence that she brings to her characters. I think that's really hard for some people to pull off because life makes us so jaded. And if you can have that innocence and that lightness show through in your acting, then that means you are really, really good. Yeah. And and Meg is one of those that, unfortunately, I think her personal life derailed her acting career. Um, I, I'm trying to think the last thing that she did may have been Digstown that I saw. She hasn't really done a lot of things recently, but I, has she started moving behind the camera? I think she has actually. Be interesting to see what her directing style looks like. With those, and since you brought up classic actors that you admire that brings me to the one i sent you this question in advance um if you could take on one historic film role what would it be and why (laughs) ah okay so a historic film role see all you said was one historic role i'm like well does he mean someone in history does he mean you know like amelia Earhart or somebody but um, I'm a, I'm a bit of a nerd. So I would take on a superhero role. Uh-oh, okay. Probably. Who? <laughs> yeah, probably Black Widow or something like that that I could do. So I love the action and adventure and the fighting and kicking butt. Black Widow would be, a, you know, that's not a bad idea. You said the background in criminal justice. My first thought was Batgirl. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Alicia Silverstone, but that character wasn't done justice the last time she was on a sc- on the big screen. Nope. Uh, I now now that I know that you're into the nerdy the 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 the, the comic book <laughs> film side of things that that leads us to an entirely different set of in, uh, of things I can ask you about here. Um when it comes to the when it comes to the comic book movies that have been released over the last decade. Why do you think they translate so well to audiences now compared to what comic book films did then and which one has been your favorite comic book movie? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Well, I think that they're more popular now because in the past, they just kind of glossed over it. They didn't tell the real story. They didn't get to the real people with real problems trying to be superheroes. They just got the I'm a superhero and you're just going to have to deal with it. And everything is perfect and hunky dory with the new films. We see the struggles and we see the, the pain that comes from the actual characters that was written into the comic books. So 
I know it's a little cliche, but I love Deadpool because you see someone who is completely messed up doing absolutely wonderful things. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go, go, go ahead. You won me over with Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my my co-host is a Deadpool fanatic. So that's uh, and now don't get me wrong, I am a Deadpool fan as well. I think the first film was better than the second. Um but I do love what they have done in letting that character actually be the same character we saw in the comic books. Right. Um do you read the comics or are you just a fan of the comic book movies? I haven't read a whole lot of comics, but I have been to the comic stores and I do happen to have just a few, especially when I'm looking for cosplay to do. So You cosplay too? Yes. Okay, this is a whole different ball of wax because I didn't know you did that. What what draw <laughs> what drew you to cosplay? Um there was a charity event that was being put on to benefit the um, uh, Memphis Area Legal Services. And they needed volunteers because it's called the Justice for All Ball. And they wanted people to walk around in superhero costumes. Well, my bosses um, just happened to be on the committee planning it. So... They said, hey, why don't you dress up since you're into acting? I said, okay, I'll try it. And um, one of my bosses actually picked out my first cosplay, which is Hawk Girl. Good so pull. I made wings and yeah. <laughs> You've got bosses that know the comics. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So my very first one was Hawk Girl and then. Uh, two years ago, I did Sin, which is the daughter of Red Skull. And then um, this year, I was the Punisher. A female Punisher. Interesting. Yes. <laughs> you know, that's actually a take on that character I would watch. Yeah. You know, the, I it, don't get me wrong. I thought the Marvel take on the Punisher that they did for the TV series, for the Netflix series, was great. But a female take on the character of the Punisher would be really interesting to see. I agree. Francesca Castle. See, you don't even have to change much. She can still be Frank. Now, yeah, I said Frankie. Oh, okay, yeah. Um Going back to, boy, that's a pullback for me. That goes back to the old series on NBC called Sisters. I don't know if anybody even remembers that show. Um, it's where Celia Ward kind of got one of her big breaks. But uh, looking at cosplay, with the Comic-Cons that are coming up, I know there's one coming up in Mississippi. I know there's also one coming up in Memphis. Do you cosplay for the cons, or do you just do this on special occasion for events and things? I go to the cons too. <laughs> she really is a nerd. <laughs> See, we can't cosplay. There are not a lot of there are not a lot of fat superheroes, so we're kind of screwed. We're kind of stuck at Majin Buu. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> you you always pull out Majin Buu. I don't know why, but you because he's the only fat cartoon character in anime that I know. Okay, I see your point. <laughs> Uh, who are some of the characters that you're looking to cosplay as? What's next on the 
what's next on the list? Ooh, next on the list. So I've been looking at the Baroness from GI Joe. Oh Jesus, childhood crush. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it. I, I thought the Baroness was hot. <laughs> <laughs> did you ever um, see Yaya Han do Baroness? Yes, I did. <laughs> I also want to try and do um, possibly the old Wasp, um, not the new version, but Ooh. the older version with the um, the yellow and, and black with the helmet. And that would be. Just have to figure out how to do the. And hopefully, we're going to get a good look at the older version of the Wasp if they do another Ant Man film. I'd like to see that. Me too. Because Wasp is one of those, I think, was kind of an unsung hero in the Marvel Universe. She's she's gotten used, but I don't think she's been really used right. And I don't think the new version is the one most of us wanted to see. But she, I, I appreciate what they've brought to that character and the fact that she's actually getting exposure. I agree. Not a lot of people knew who she was before the Marvel movies. Exactly right. Now, when it comes to the comic book franchises or the comic books in, the, in general, favorite female comic book character of all time? Ooh. Well, I actually grew up watching Wonder Woman on TV, so she's got to be my favorite. Linda Carter. Yeah, I grew up on Wonder Woman, mm -hmm. watching Wonder Woman, too. So, yeah, I can't argue with you there. Um, I do say Gail Gadot has done a fantastic job bringing her to the big screen. They finally got it right. She's yep. one of the, I think she's one of the few that DC has actually gotten right when it comes to doing them in film. I'm just pleased to hear she hasn't announced that she wants to do Harley Quinn. <laughs> uh, no, no. I'm crazy enough as it is. <laughs> I'm going to take your word for that. <laughs> Now, do you find that, that cosplaying and acting, do you find that the cosplaying and acting, that they go kind of hand in hand? Does it help you kind of inhabit a character when you do a cosplay? It really does, because with acting and all the classes that I've taken, I can get into the mind of the person that I'm playing. And it's easier for me to stay in character, especially when I'm dressed up as a specific um, comic book character. And I don't know. I just like rocking around. Like when I walked around as a Punisher, I felt so tough. It was awesome. <laughs> she just wanted somebody to walk up to her and talk bad. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> Have you seen? I really did, but most everybody tried to do pictures. Ah. <laughs> That's when you say no, and then when you catch them sneaking a picture, you get to get your revenge. Come on now. <laughs> there's ways to get her. There's ways to get into the action. I know you said you know you like the action part of the Marvel films, especially with Black Widow. You could you could liven up these cons a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's let's do some gladiator style fighting in the middle of the cosplay with the. Next to the jewelry and the uh, posters. <laughs> Free for all, aisle six. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sad thing is, as many as many nerdy guys are there, that would probably be a top draw for a Comic-Con. Probably. 
bad, though. We've never actually been to a con. What? Yeah, we've tried. I've 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 sent email to the uh, organizers for Memphis and for uh, the one in Jackson, Mississippi, and asked them about potentially getting into podcast at the Comic Cons and can't even get anybody to respond to messages. Really? Yeah. That so, surprises me. Yeah, I, I would love to do a. I think going to a Comic Con would be a blast. It'd be. I'd probably have to fight my co-host to get him to stay at the booth. He'd be trying to roam around checking things out. I would. <laughs> at least you're honest. <laughs> Note to self: bring handcuffs. Um, <laughs> and just bolt him to the table. We won't have that problem. Uh, now, as as an actor and being in in Memphis with the indie Memphis community and the the. As you said, they are a very tight-knit group. That's one thing I've learned about the ones I've had to interview. A lot of the crew kind of intertwines. You've seen a lot of the same people involved in projects because they do tend to form their own little type, you know, family troupe and things like that. What's some advice that you would give someone looking to kind of break into the indie film scene as an actor or even working in, you know, just working on a crew or volunteer or give somebody some advice when it comes to attending a film festival, what to look for, for those that have never been. (laughs) Well, um, that's a great question. My biggest advice to new actors is go to classes and don't just go to one class, try out different classes, go to workshops because at the workshops, you get perspective from people who come from out of town. Um, we have a lot of people that bring in big name actors. Uh, they bring in casting directors. These people who have been in the industry take their classes because they have a lot of knowledge. There's a lot of um, people online that give great advice as well. But here in Memphis, um, if you're trying to break into the film scene, uh, one of the good places that I found was called Wright Club, W-R-I-T-E Club. They meet uh, once a month at Pyros on Union, and there are directors that go there. There are people who are um, parts of crews, people who um, they just write a script, and they need actors and people to read for them so that they can hear their work. And that's how directors meet you, and they say, hey. I heard you read this part and I really liked what you brought to it. I'd like to, I mean, maybe not this project, but I have something else that I'm, it's in the works. And that's another way that I've met a lot of people and got into films. I actually about three short films that I've been in. I've met people at that right club. Now that's, I'd never even knew that existed. That's a great piece of advice because I'm my, Big things. I always, I've actually got a script that I've been working on and I would love to have some people to workshop it with. So that's, I love actually knowing that that exists. There's a Facebook group. You can send them a message and say, Hey, I have a script and they will get back to you. Awesome. I'm definitely, I'm going to have to look that one up. Um, now there's also um, something called Holly street, uh, run by Ron Gephardt and they go, i and they perform at Black Lodge um, every so often, and they have their scripts read out loud at, at Black Lodge. Oh, nice. <laughs> Ron Gephardt. I know that name. I can't put a face to it, but I know that. 
I'm sure. Yeah. We, I, why do, I have a feeling we've probably interviewed that, and that's why name, and that's why he's in my head. But I can't. You did. You probably did. He was in, uh, one of the main actors in. Um, oh, one of the films this past year. Uh, with the, he was a security guard who was. Um, uh, at the mortuary. Yeah, or the, or, at the graveyard. Yeah, I remember talking to him. Now I know. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta tell me what he was in, Kate. Come on. <laughs> <Here>. <laughs> I'm getting up there. My memory's starting to slip, okay? <laughs> oh. yes, classes, definitely. Indie Acting Studio. There's also Memphis Acting Studio with Corey Parker. Um, a lot of great classes for new actors. Oh, and the Indie Acting Studio. They just redid and moved to a new place in Bartlett. And so now in that building, they have um, artists. They have uh, Bluff City Crew, which has um, you can rent your costumes and buy vintage jewelry. There's someone who actually makes cosplay jewelry there. I think it's called Flex Jewelry. She makes like the Princess Leia bikinis and stuff. That's what she does. It's wow. just an amazing place now. We're going to have to go check that place out because I know we've gotten to, uh, we're going to go down to a few things in Bartlett um, this summer. So I'm definitely going to make it a point to go by and check that out. <laughs> um, I was going to say, if you do find yourself able to get to Oxford the 18th through the 22nd of March, we will be on hand for the Oxford Film Festival and if you would like, we could introduce you around to a lot of the directors and actors in that scene if you would like to meet some of them. I would love that. Actually, I think the only time I've been to Oxford is when I drove through it. <laughs> no, you have to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> you have to stop, Kate. Jeez. But yeah, we would uh, we, we'd love to introduce you around, um, especially the the after party is actually um, an awards banquet is sponsored by our podcast sponsor. So we could probably get you in there and uh, let you do some socializing with that crew. Oh, goodness, you're going to make me socialize. Oof. You can wear a costume <laughs> if it helps. See, thank you. That helps. <laughs> See, I say come up as the Punisher because I'm thinking Jeremy Sandy and his wife would love that. Yes. <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. But yeah, I'm not showing up to a festival <laughs> and punch costume. <laughs> I would. <laughs> oh, gosh. Kate, this has been a blast. I have enjoyed having you on and if you are interested in Oxford, if you want any kind of details or anything like that, uh, you can just hit me up on Messenger and uh, we'll get with you. I'll get you some of the details and things on that and some specifics and try to help you get set in there. That sounds wonderful. For anybody definitely. listening out there that wants to touch base with Kate and maybe try to book you as a talent, tell everybody how they can find you. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm on Facebook as Kate Mobley, um, or you can contact me through my email address, which is thegreatwallofkate at gmail.com. The Great Wall of Kate. Is that like the Great Wall of China? Mm, I think that is Kate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's in Memphis. It's not that great. 
Well, hey, hey now. Hey, you won't get. I, no, 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 I'm just saying it wouldn't be as big. <laughs> but Kate, it has been a blast having you fun. on. It's been fun. This has been a blast. We've had a good laugh. I hope you've. Been, I hope we haven't been too hard on you. <laughs> No, I've really enjoyed it. This is actually my very first podcast. Well, you are welcome to come back anytime. If there's ever a film you're working on or anything that you need to promote, feel free to reach out and we'll find a spot for you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, guys. All right. Thank Thank you. you. Bye-bye. Off Script with the Heavyweight Chumps is produced by Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC. Executive producer, Sally Maddox. All music used by permission. No part of this podcast can be rebroadcast or retransmitted without written expressed permission of the Heavyweight Chumps and Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC. Copyright 2020 Mad Fat Loud Entertainment, LLC.